Hello and welcome to this episode of Mike the Mike. I'm Michael Beck. And I have taken some time to work on this episode. I really wanted to take my time with it, think about what I want to say and how I want to say it. And it's maybe worth mentioning what's not worth mentioning. And I even had uh, several scripts that I had written and already prepared, but I decided that I wanted to go ahead and do this one next. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I wanted to initiate this uh, discussion about uh, romantic relationships. As I have been growing with this podcast and getting more comfortable with it, I'm trying to share things that are more personal. And I want to avoid abrupt transition. And because I, I've, it's been uh, at least a few episodes uh, since I've shared work with you uh, that I've enjoyed, I thought that I would use the film The Lobster as a sort of launching off point uh, before. I get too personal. Uh, I recently rewatched The Lobster with Valentine's Day approaching, and I was, you know, in the mood to revisit this unconventional social commentary. I find that when I participate in an absurd kind of make believe, it can draw attention and help me to think about the absurd things I experience in my reality. The film stars Colin Farrell and Rachel Weiss, who you may recognize if you've seen her and the Mummy films or the movie Constantine. And it's set in a near future dystopian society. Uh, single people are sent to the hotel where they're given uh, 45 days to find a romantic partner or otherwise turn into an animal of their choosing. And part of the idea is that each individual has a defining characteristic. This could be as simple or as ridiculous as having nice hair. And then if you find someone else with the same feature, you're thought to be a good match. And if a couple encounters any problems that they can't sort out themselves, they're given a child. Usually that fixes any issues, they say. On a core fundamental level, the society runs on the principle that two people must be together in order to thrive and be a productive unit within the community. The hotel enforces strict rules put in place to keep guests from working independently. The guests watch these play demonstrations such as a man who dies choking on his dinner because he didn't have a partner there to help him, and a woman sexually assaulted while out on a stroll because she didn't have a partner walking with her. And then they show the how their tragic fates could have been avoided if they had each other as a couple. And upon the first day of visiting, the main character has one hand cuffed to his pants belt as a reminder of, of what it's like to try and live with only one thing instead of two. Uh, one guest is forced to put his hand in a toaster after he's caught masturbating. Uh, moreover, there is a one-size-fits-all way about the hotel. When checking in, the main protagonist is asked how he wants to identify his sexual preference, and he admits to having a homosexual experience uh, once before and asked to be registered as bisexual, but he's told that option is no longer available. And when asked uh, what his shoe size is, He's told that they don't have half sizes either. If someone is unable to find a romantic partner before their time period is up and is brave enough, they can escape into the woods and fight a colony of loners, as they're called. However, you must learn to survive on your own and will be hunt, hunted down for the rest of your life. You must be self-reliant, getting little help from others. Each individual is instructed to dig their own grave because no one else is going to dig it for you. It's like life in the woods is the inverse of that of the hotel, 
with the leader of the loners group enforcing their own set of strict rules. There's to be no flirting, kissing, or sex. Each of these acts is, if committed, receives its own cruel punishment, each more grim than the last. I find this setting to be a fascinating backdrop for a love story, and it deals with societal standards and relationships, which is why I mention it. And uh, yes, I have thought about what animal I would want to be if I ended up alone in this universe, and that animal is the whale shark. Uh, they're one of nature's gentle giants. They're large enough that no one really messes with them. They only have to swim around with their mouth open to eat, and they can breathe underwater, so we'll be able to survive after the ice caps melt. <laughs> I suppose there's always been pressures to get married. Retrospectively, things are probably better now than they've ever been. In times of old, marriage was, wasn't just a status symbol. It was also a matter of necessity. As I understand it, to be a woman and a widow in historic times meant to have little protection or ownership of anything. And for men, it wasn't just the pressures from mom and dad to produce them little grandchildren. It was a matter of continuing on the family lineage, carrying on name and wealth. So compared to that, things are looking pretty good, uh, but I still believe we have a long way to go. People make coupling up look like so much fun and romance sells. People love a good love story. How many stories do you know about the strong independent woman or man? I mean, I'm sure they're out there and if you think long enough about it, uh, but even then it's likely some it's probably some arrogant lone wolf womanizer, hardly any sort of role model of what it's like to be a healthy and fulfilled single individual. A quick note, if you do know of any strong independent characters, uh, please feel free to share. I'd love to hear. Um, I know they're out there and I know of at least one in particular, uh, but they're just, I don't think they're common enough. I believe that loneliness is very much at the heart of this discussion. Uh, a year ago, Vox did a video on the topic titled, Why Are We So Lonely? and gave a very thoughtful response to the question, looking at it from a social, cultural, and neurological angle. It's always good to keep things in perspective, and I found it very helpful to know that loneliness isn't a new problem that's the subject of our times. Fox found articles dating back to at least the early uh, 1970s, quoting the phrase loneliness epidemic. And some scientists speculate that from man's primitive days, we were much stronger as a group, and so we developed a biological instinct, which still affects us today, much like the fight or flight response. It tells our bodies that we need to seek the safety of a group. So many of us can feel lonely. It's a natural occurrence. We seek to address this issue, but how? I believe for many of us, despite what we know, we can still have this lingering gut response of that being in a romantic relationship will be the cure-all, even though we know it's false. You can be lonely in a relationship just as easily as you can out of it. Pop culture is just littered with fantastic and unhealthy relationships, complete with unrealistic standards, codependency, and even abuse. When you're a child, it's the princess and her prince charming. As a teen, there's, for example, the shy outcast boy and his new-to-town uh, manic pixie girlfriend, all he needs is this girl to fix him. And even as adults, you've got these movies where a brute man abducts the female, but somehow she ends up falling for him in the end. Or that childish, naive girl who falls for an average guy because due to circumstances in the plot, she thinks he's somehow special and doesn't know that all of his skills and knowledge are commonplace. 
these are just a uh, few examples that I can think of. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called Pop Culture Detective with some seriously great analytical videos going in depth on some of those very topics with uh, great titles like Born Sexy Yesterday, Abduction as Romance, and Stalking for Love. Oh yeah, I forgot about that trope, the protagonist made stalker who manages just to get the girl in the end. Ugh, yikes. But he also has other non-related praises and criticisms with videos such as The Tragedy of Joys in Star Wars and The Fantastic Masculinity of Newt Scamander. So most of us, uh, before the time that we've reached adulthood, regardless of our upbringing and the teachings of our caregivers, we've been inundated with these ideas. You know, if we've uh, seen any uh, movies or shows uh, from a young age, which I think many of us have. And, you know, I'm going to be brutally honest with myself. I'm still trying to get secure and comfortable enough with myself uh, that I can be a good friend, let alone know how to make a good relationship work. I don't have any experience, any point of reference to refer back to. In the 20, now 29 years of living, I have not once been in a dating relationship. And there's a, a virgin, and then there's this guy. Now, my lack of love life could correlate to many things, some which I can only speculate, but for the better part of my life, I've been pretty insecure. Having learned disabilities and getting held back could do that to a person. And I wasn't allowed to date until I was in high school. And by that point, much of my childlike inhibitions were gone, and I was disillusioned and cynical. And I felt all this pressure not to date just to date, but to do it for the right reasons and that it should be the right person. And admittedly, those pressures haven't dissipated at all. In this stage of life, how many people want to commit time to a relationship which doesn't have a future? Then again, perhaps being able to date sooner wouldn't have changed anything. Uh, you know, I can't really say one way or the other. You know, I'm just confounded by relationships. Uh, how does anyone ever find a partner? Is it like trying to play the lottery or trying to get the right combination on a padlock? How do you get the chemistry to work? Sure, there's plenty of fish in the sea, but you're never going to encounter all the fish. It's only going to be a minute subset, which happens to be located in your town or city, or somehow you manage to find someone online who isn't, doesn't ghost you. <laughs> you know, I've been uh, told that marriage is like being in a relationship with your best friend. And, you know, I believe that is true. I believe that for those successful uh, relationships and marriages. And, you know, in that sense, I think that all my experience with various friendships definitely has to account for something. Uh, but that experience is only useful if you can manage to befriend someone of the opposite sex. I'm talking here as a straight male. Uh, but from my experience, that's definitely easier said than done. Now, I want to get this out front. I'm by no, no means speaking on the whole of, of womankind, and I'm simply sharing from my past experience. And I'm grateful to say that recently, overall, things have improved. And so I'm not speaking to any one person, and I'm certainly not talking about the women currently in my life who I've befriended. But all that to say, for the better part of my conscious existence, many of my experiences as a woman have left me feeling unwelcomed and like a creep. It seems like so many women keep you back within a 10-foot pole, size you up, and, and give you the long initiation process before you can even start approaching them like a friend and carry on a normal conversation. It seems that men are expected to make the first moves, even platonically, 
but damned if you act too friendly and they think you like them. That's the best way to get avoided like the plague. To be fair, on the other side, women probably have the fear that if they're too friendly, that men will take it the wrong way and think they're interested. And that's really warranted. Uh, but, you know, one might get the wrong impression when they've been treated like an alien most of their life. And suddenly a woman engages with them and treats them like a regular human being. Now, I understand that things are complicated and there are circumstances in which someone may find themselves in a particularly vulnerable situation and they need to create boundaries. And I can respect that. I, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about those people. However, I find it odd that so many women would close themselves off. I can't imagine that all the women I've encountered over the years have been in such a vulnerable situation. But, you know, I can't completely blame them. Uh, at least some of it must come from how they're raised and what they've been taught. I have to, you know, I, I don't know, but I have to wonder if the message that women, that those women were getting uh, is your victim that needs to be protected. And sure, men can be dangerous. There have been a great many men who have done a great many terrible things. But I felt as though somehow I've been compared with them and, and put in their corner somehow. I can only speak for myself as a man, but the message that I've received is consequence. And I imagine other men have uh, received a similar message as well, is that you're a deviant that needs to be kept on a careful watch. We need to keep women away from you because you can't be trusted. Moving on, I'm sure I can be clueless when it comes to picking up on who's interested in me, and I believe that's one of the few things I can be sure of. And you know, right now I I make no assumptions and, and zero speculations. Most of the little signs they tell you to look for when a girl is interested in you can easily occur in a girl who's either shy or just awkward. I've learned the hard way that no, they're not nervous around you because they like you. They're just really awkward. So long story short, catching up to the present day, I've got a lot going on right now and I certainly wouldn't be opposed though if uh, you know, I wouldn't say the right person comes along. I'm not sure that exists. I'll just say good fit. I wouldn't be opposed if someone who's a good fit, a good match comes along. I don't think I'd be like, no, it's not the right timing. I've waited this long. I'm not sure that I'll ever be completely ready for a relationship. Uh, you know, no matter what, I think it's going to be an act of faith and it's going to be a new experience with a new person. But as much as I'm capable and it's easy to get distracted, I'm trying to focus on my health and my career. I believe that if I can get further along in one or both of those aspects, that I'll be in a better position to enter into a relationship that's looking towards the future. My physical and mental health affects everything. And if I'm further along in my career and living situation, I'll have a sort of base of operations from which I can branch out from a more, from more security and have a better idea of where I'm going or at least where I want to be heading. So subject to change, but my plans of now are as follows. One, uh, see what comes of my time with the neurologist. Here's hoping I can get some diagnosis or treatment for the nearly decade long chronic symptoms I've been experiencing. Uh, two, from there, look into getting certified as a peer support specialist, which is in the mental health field that's related to counseling. Uh, three and four, get uh, certified, get a job. And five, move into my own place now that I know where my job is located. I'm trying to put my focus on things that are practical, obtainable, and with my control. And getting into a relationship uh, that's a good fit is really out of my control. 
uh, call it chance or fate, it's really not up to me. Similarly, I have no control over whether or not I can figure out what's causing my chronic pain, but I put it as a step one because I want to try and see what what happens with that. And because if I can get treatment for that, that would change everything. If uh, not for my health, I could easily move to another city or something. But right now, I'm just trying to hold down the fort and get through my weeks one day at a time. I'm, you know, I'm really not in a position to travel and uproot myself. People like to suggest that <laughs> uh, with, uh, you know, whenever I talk about my job situation, but I just, it's really not a good time to try to try to move. So I've been trying to, you know, do the best I can, uh, you know, where I'm living and with the opportunities that I do have now. But, you know, even in holding patterns, there are things that can be done and things, uh, things that I've been doing apart from my other creative products like this podcast, which keep me feeling motivated and give me a sense of progress. I also mentioned in a previous episode, I've been learning how to cook. So that's just another small step towards autonomy and independence. And when it comes to loneliness, I want to get back to that. I'm, I'm trying to do a better job of seeking and finding people to connect with. I still can't say that I have any definitive strategy for success in this regard, but I feel like I have been doing a better job than I have in times past. I'm realizing that I'm more extroverted than I ever gave myself credit for. Uh, it seems like it's just been a, a matter of finding the people I want to connect with and learning the ways uh, of connecting with people that are most meaningful to me. And rather than investing myself in like three people tops, I'm learning the value of creating multiple points of connection so that inevitably, if some folks aren't available, there's still someone who I can reach out to. And I'm trying to learn how to love myself and accept myself for who I am and where I'm at and receiving that love and acceptance from myself rather than other people. And with that, I need to stop dogging myself for loving with my parents and in comparing myself to others. I could say, oh, it's okay because lots of folks my age still live with their parents and lots of folks still don't have their career figured out. And maybe that's true, but apart from other people and what they're doing or not doing, I can accept where I'm at and recognize that I'm doing good things and I'm working towards my future and positioning myself to go where I want to go. So often I just want to get somewhere now, but I see that most of the work that I've been doing lately is just figuring out where I want to go. I have to decide where I'm going before I can start working on the appropriate steps to get there. And I believe the same thing could be said for romantic relationships too. There are so many amazing people out there, but should the opportunity present itself, what's most important to me, who do I want to say yes to? I believe it's as important to know what you don't want in a partner as it is to know what you do want. I feel that I've been learning both those things about myself. Some of that learning has come through recognizing my value and not lowering my standards to something less than what's best. And, and some of that learning has just come from my encounters and friendships that I have had with women. And through those relationships, I've seen qualities that I didn't know even existed in a person. And so I wanted to share a few of the things that I've found that I am looking for and, and appreciate. I have decided that I don't really want to share uh, all the details. I, I don't know. I don't think that's the best idea to let on uh, to everyone <laughs> broadcast exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, not that anyone would do that, but that'd be weird if someone heard that and then I uh, was like, oh, he wants this. So I'm going to try to do that. Uh, that would be weird. So uh, I'm not going to share everything, but I, I'm going to shoot 
share a few uh, more general things here that I, I think of, I found are, are very important to me. And so I've met a few women who I have found very kind and inviting, uh, but not in a flirtatious way. Uh, but they treat you as a friend with uh, care and compassion. And seeing them treat not just myself, but everyone else around them with uh, the same sort of care is, is a really beautiful sight. So I'm looking for someone with that kind of soul. Similarly, I know I knew a woman who I met at a party who, you know, came up and talked with me uh, super casually. And I was just like, wow, that's a thing. Uh, there's one out there that will do that. Uh, uh, there's a woman out there who will greet you and carry on a conversation like you're a regular, normal human being. Uh, so I'm looking for someone who's not weird around other guys. You know, I really don't want to be the one guy that someone talks to you. And all the other guys in the world, they, they, you know, just avoid because I feel like I've, I've seen that and, and other couples, yeah, you know, got a woman who's really nice and friendly with her boyfriend, but then she acts all weird around you. Uh, so yeah, I don't want that. Um, and I would love to find someone who is interested in my faith and the faith of others because my faith, my faith is important to me. Uh, but I find even people within my community of faith are, you know, a lot of them are take it pretty superficially and they don't actually really care to ask you or anybody else, you know, anything about it, ask you about your faith. And so, and you know, that's, that's a different conversation. Uh, and that's something that I think is just a, a, a widespread thing. I don't know why that is, but you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I can only, uh, I can only change myself. So that's something that I, it's an arrow that I want to grow in is to be more bold and to, uh, talk to, talk to people about that. And, you know, cause I really am curious and, you know, I want to know and hear from other people and I want to share my story as well, but I don't want uh, to find someone who is self-righteous and there is also plenty of those out there. But you know, I'm not. I'm not too concerned about that, honestly. I don't feel like I tend to associate myself with people who aren't truly genuine. And fortunately, I don't really seem to attract those sorts of people, anyways. You know, there's there's plenty of people who will never uh, make the time uh, for my honesty and openness. That's that's ultimately a good thing. As mentioned in a previous episode, I'm a very picky eater, so I wouldn't do well with someone who has fancy taste. I need to find uh, someone with a very simple taste who can appreciate a frozen pizza. And, you know, I'm, I'm a homebody at, at heart. Um, and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a part of the, the age bracket that I find myself in, but I hear of so many folks who want to be world travelers and I think that's great for them. Uh, but that's just not me. Part of that may be, uh, my health issues talking, but, you know, even before, uh, those troubles started. I just never really enjoyed traveling. I, I love exploring, uh, but I also love putting my head down, uh, in my own room and my own bed. So I need someone who understands that, uh, just because a song is sad doesn't mean that it can't be beautiful. There are so many people out there who only like the pretty things, but that's not me either. I don't wear rose-covered glasses. I need to be able to 
sit with the brokenness in myself and in the world. I don't want to be ashamed to look look on and, and to mourn. And I need to be with someone who thinks about things, who wants to have deep conversations about the existential, someone who I can have those conversations with, but also balance it with laughter is, is really important. Um, I think you can, can kind of go either way. People who are don't seem to take anything seriously or, you know, looking for pretty things and, and, you know, just want to have a good time. But there's other people who, uh, can, can kind of get stuck in, in the, in the heavy things. So I think it's really important to have that balance to be able to talk about the heavy things, but then to, in the end, uh, be able to be able to laugh it off. Um, is, is a really good, it's really good, you know? So I don't know that these are all hard, fast expectations I have, but at the very least, these are the things which would make someone stand out to me and someone who I would, you know, want to pursue, uh, if and when appropriate. I believe I've gone on long enough. Uh, if you've made it this far, uh, and if you're listening, uh, listen to anything that I've said, I hope you've, you've heard me say that you are valuable and your worth goes beyond what you can do and your worth goes beyond what you can be and do for others. And I hope that you're finding uh, ways to stay connected and that you know that you're not alone. You are worth someone's time. You are worth being known and you are worth being invested in. So that's all for this episode. If you have any comments or have any thoughts on what you'd like me to discuss in the future, you can email me at beckm1911 at gmail.com and you can find that email address listed in the description. As always, thank you so much for listening and until next time, stay well and take care.